Welcome to Word Connect with Pastor Maxwell Ogaga, a teaching ministry where believers are trained to be established in the truth of God's Word. For more information and free downloads, please visit www.thepastormax.ng. All right. Let's pray. Let's get into the Word. Father, thank you because I'm anointed to teach. Thank you because your people are anointed to receive and together our faith is built up in the knowledge of the person of Jesus. So we, we are finalizing this series today called God Wants to Guide You. God Wants to Guide You. And I just want to do a brief recap last of what we did last Sunday and then I'll build up from there. We talked about how God guides. And we did Job chapter 33. And verse 14 to 15, we use the living translation, Job 33, 14 to 15. It says, For God speaks again and again, for God speaks again and again, though people do not recognize it. For God speaks again and again, though people do not recognize it. He speaks in dreams, in visions of the night, when deep sleep falls on people as they lie in their beds. And I was able to establish to you that uh, Job 33, 14 to 15, 14, 1, 4 to 1, 5, 14 to 15, okay. Job 33. So we know that God speaks through dreams. And God uses dreams to speak to us. There are some people who dream more than the others. We talked about the two sources, three sources of dream. And we established in Acts chapter 2. I'm just giving a recap so you can just listen or write down the scriptures. What we're actually dealing with this morning is hindrances to hearing God's voice. But I'm giving you a recap so you can build up with us. Uh, in Acts chapter 2 verse 17 it says On the last day I part of my spirit upon all flesh Your young men shall see visions And your old men shall dream dreams So we know that God speaks to us in visions and in dreams In Daniel chapter 1 verse 17 it says And Daniel could understand dreams So dreams have to be interpreted We also did say that God spoke to Abimelech in a dream Genesis 23-7 Warning him in a dream about Abraham God gave four dreams to Joseph, and those dreams delivered Jesus, you know, from death. Okay, in Genesis 41, verse 1 to 7, we talked about the dream that Pharaoh had and was interpreted by Joseph, and gave Joseph, and Joseph gave um, wisdom to that dream. So, in Matthew 27, verse 19, Pilate's wife had a dream and warned Pilate the fact that Jesus was righteous. Hope you're taking down all these notes. So, it's important for us to understand that God can still speak to us through what? To dreams. Secondly, dreams can also come from our imagination. So, I'm just doing a recap, so I'm going to go fast, because that's not where we're building today. Uh, dreams can come from the product of our imaginations. Okay, Isaiah 29 verse 8, it says, When a hungry man goes to bed, and he eats in the dream, and he gets up and realizes he's empty. Or, a thirsty man, you know, goes to bed and realizes he's thirsty. And drinks water in the dream. Realize that. So we say you can eat in the dream. You can do a lot of things in the dream. Which is a product of your imagination. Uh, uh, Ecclesiastes chapter 5 verse 3. talks about dreams coming from the multitude of business. Uh, last few days ago. I was watching a movie with my wife. One of our daughters. And, um, and in the dream. 
I said in the dream now, in the movie, they wanted to electrocute this man, you know, this electric chair stuff, you know. So when they wanted to do that, I just walked to the room, you know. So my wife was like, oh, come and watch. I'm like, no. Because if I watch that scene, the way my mind works, all through the night, I'll be losing people that they want to electrocute. You know, so somehow you know that when you watch certain things, it gets on your mind. Like I said, I mean, I don't get very matured enough to watch horror movies. Some of you watch horror movies. I don't know where your spirit how strong your spirit is, boy. If I watch horror movies all through the night, I'm going to be wrestling with principalities and powers. You know, so when you watch certain things, it, it plays out in your dream. That's not a dream from God. So it's not every dream you have that is God speaking to you. I need to clarify that. Some are God speaking to you. Some are from the product of your imaginations. And most times when people talk about having sex in the dream and spirit husbands and all that, sometimes you need to watch what you're listening to, the kind of messages you're listening to, or watch the things you're watching. You watch a whole movie that is, you know, it, it looks like a movie, but it's very close to pornography. And they, they, they say it's movie. <laughs> you know, and at the end, you're sleeping with everybody that shows up in your dream. And you want deliverance. Sometimes all you need to do is to change what you listen to. Um, and make it as a habit. I listen to messages, going to sleep. I listen to worship music. I just set the tone because I understand that your spirit and your subconscious mind does not sleep. And that's very important. That we have dreams from demonic world. Second uh, Corinthians 11.14, the Bible says Satan transforms himself as an angel of light. And one of the things we know is that when these dreams come, they impart fear to your heart. When God brings a dream, it brings correction and rebuke and direction. When Satan brings a dream, it brings fear. So you, you get up, it's almost like a nightmare. So you have to watch the source of dreams first before you can even talk about interpretation. And I want to, be, I want to just put this here very clearly. I think I mentioned it, but I want to re-emphasize this. Daniel 1.17, the Bible says God gave Daniel the ability to interpret dreams. And I want to say very importantly, not everybody can interpret dreams. So you don't just go about sharing your dreams. You know, as for these young men, God gave them knowledge and skill in all literature and wisdom. But if you look at that, it says, And Daniel had understanding in all visions and dreams. So among the four people, only Daniel could interpret dreams. So you don't really just share your dreams. Now, when I mean don't share your dreams with everybody, it's not as if they'll do anything to you. But uh, not everybody can really interpret dreams. Some people interpret dreams based on what their grandmother told them. Some people interpret dreams. But if you watch all the dreams in the scriptures, some were symbolic, some were prophetic, some were literal. I might do a full teaching on dreams, but I just want to bring that. For instance, when, when, when uh, Pharaoh had the dream of the seven fat cows and the seven lean cows, all right, and the lean cows swallowed up the fat cows, if he took that dream literally, it would be a problem. Okay, but what was God speaking to him about? God was speaking to him about the economic situation of Egypt. That there was going to be years of abundance and there was going to be years of leanness. And he needed to save. But it took, uh, it took Joseph, who had the spirit of God, to be able to interpret that dream. When God showed Daniel the image, of, uh, the, 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 image the golden image, the head was uh, Medopatia, Greece, Babylon... The feet was a feet of clay and iron, which was talking about the Roman Empire. And he says, in the day, in, uh, and when, Daniel saw, when Nebuchadnezzar saw that dream, um, a stone that broke out without human hands crushed 
the, 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 the feet of the, of the image of Daniel and broke it. You know, he was talking about uh, Rome and Persia. They were mixed. You know, that was the, the season then when Jesus came, who came to set up the kingdom. Daniel said, in the days of those kings, God will set up his kingdom. What was the stone without hands that was cut without hands? It was Jesus Christ. You know, who came to set up the kingdom of God. And so, if, um, if Daniel had not interpreted that dream, what would have happened? You know, they would have missed. You know, so you realize that dreams have to be interpreted accurately for you to get the meaning. Because most times, dreams are symbolic. I had a dream just this night. And, uh, and I got up. Most times, if I have a dream, I get up with the interpretation. So, I just know what it's talking about. And it was very simple. I was, I was nominated for something in the U.S. Um, but I don't know what happened. It's like I was playing or something, something, something. And <clears throat> I missed the first flight that was to go. And I was like, oh, I mean, this, I'm not going to make this program again. And then I was in another room with someone else. And they were like, oh, okay, if you miss this, the person was now sharing their experience. That, oh, I was supposed to go for this program, but I missed my first flight. And I was able to have another flight again. So I looked at, oh, wow, my visa is still there. And I can uh, get another flight again. You know, I woke up. And what the Lord, you know, just put in my heart is that no opportunities is missed. Whatever opportunities we have missed, we're going to have a chance to take them again. Somebody say amen. And he said, that's it. So I'm not going to feel like, oh, God is calling me to go to the U.S. right now. I should now start relocating to the U.S. Do you understand? Nobody wants to go there with all these riots. You know. So you realize that sometimes people have used those dreams to lead themselves when God was saying something else. So you can take that dream now, begin to pursue green card and immigration, thinking that God is calling you to the U.S. And you completely miss out that what God is speaking to you about is restoration. I can give you the New Testament example. In the book of Acts, when God gave a vision, so we talk about visions also. Acts chapter 10 verse 9, and Acts, uh, when God gave a vision to Peter about, you know, the, 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 the sheep that came down from heaven with all those animals, unclean animals. He wasn't telling Peter to go and cook animals. What was he telling him about? Go and preach the word to what? To the Gentiles. Are you there? Alright, go and preach the word to the Gentiles. So God gave him that interpretation. He said, what I've called clean, do not call unclean. Who was he calling clean? The Gentiles. You know, so you realize that if you had given that dream to maybe a modern day preacher, they'll say they were giving you unclean animals in the dream. Ah, your own is finished. They want to kill you. <laughs> ah, you know, uh, sometimes I get, sometimes Christianity can become embarrassing when it is handled by immature people. You know, when you see the way some Christians are afraid. Praise God. You know, some Christians are afraid. Praise the name of the Lord. Because of the way they've been taught. If you're taught a wrong doctrine, you can live in perpetual fear over all your life. Praise God. I remember someone coming to us the other day. I think I shared the testimony of the service. And I said, oh, pastor, I used to eat a lot in the dream. This one, that one. I just shared the scriptures with him and taught him the word. Taught her the word of God. Just under five minutes. Under five minutes. Under five minutes. <coughs> Came back a couple of Sundays later, completely free. Praise God. You know, when the enemy knows that he can't hold you through some of those things anymore, he won't bring them near you. Because the light of God's word is shining. In your heart. Praise the name of the Lord. So you have dreams. I talked about a different kind of vision. Sorry. Talked about a different kind of vision. We have the inner vision that you see in your heart. Second Kings 5.26. Talking about Elijah. 
when he saw Gehazi running after the man, collecting goods. They have open vision. Acts chapter 10. You see like a screen placed before you. That we have the highest kind of vision which is trance. This is the highest kind of vision. Your natural senses are suspended. Find this in 2 Corinthians chapter 12 verse 1 to 14. You're almost not aware of your physical surroundings. The other way God speaks to you is through wise counsel. Wise counsel. Counsel is a powerful thing. That's why in Psalms 1 verse 1, the Bible talks about, Blessed is the man who sits not in the counsel of the ungodly. Now, I want to say this very clearly. I know it might sound a bit controversial, but I stand by the truths of the scriptures. Is not everybody you can take advice from. And it's amazing sometimes that believers subject their lives, most times, to the counsel of the ungodly. You see, there's no, no matter how wise a man is, if he is not born again, there is something not just absolutely right about him. And, and that's very, very important. That's very important. And so we must be careful who we take advice from because counsel is, can be one of the ways God speaks to us. Because in Second Samuel 16 verse 23, David, uh, it was said about the counsel of Ahithophel that it was like the counsel of the gods. And through counsel, a lot of things can happen in your life. We know how Jeroboam lost the, 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 the tribes. Ten tribes of Israel were separated from him because he listened to the counsel of his peers. You know, and not the counsel of the elders. The elder says, if you treat these people right. It says, and the advice of Ahithophel which he gave in those days was as if one had acquired the oracle of God. If Ahithophel gave you a counsel, it was as if you have inquired of the oracle of God. That's why when Ahithophel was to counsel Absalom, David had to pray. He said, oh God, turn the counsel of Ahithophel to foolishness. God, because David knew if Absalom takes the counsel of Ahithophel, he can take the throne from him. So you must be careful who you take counsel from. I think one of the things that have helped me in ministry, and I say this with all sense of humility, is that I hardly take counsel from my peers. I hardly. I hardly take counsel from my peers. Because you know what? We'll end up making the same mistake. My mentors are way older than me. My mentors are way older than me. I've been in the ministry way older than me. And somehow in my life, I've had the benefit of having older people just pour the wisdom of God over my life. And, and it, it's helped me a lot in ministry because sometimes um, with peers, you can't almost repeat the same mistake because you're growing up almost with the same environment and the same influence and... Um, if you're not careful, you know, I remember one time I was, I was talking to one of a pastor friend of mine. And he was like, you know, Max, you're doing a great job. You're, you're doing a massive work. God is using you mightily. But you're too conservative. You need to do some social media stuff. You need to do all this sort of stuff. You know, a couple of advice he gave. I just listened. And I was talking to my mentor. I wasn't talking about that. I was just talking about something. I was in the ministry with my mentor. And he, he made a statement. He said, you know what? He said, build silently. He was just talking. He said, build silently. If the media makes you, the media cannot make you. You know, and I picked a whole lot of wisdom from that. Praise God. Of course, we've got, uh, we're strong on social media now. We're doing a lot of outreach on social media and all that. But it's not about putting a lot of the things we're doing out there. So, the counsel that you receive is important to your life. And I want to say this, and I must say it very importantly. You don't subject your life to all kinds of counsel. You don't put your destiny at the mercy of everybody. You know, what do you think? What do you think? What do you think? What do you think? 
You should have one, two, three people in your life who are strong. You know, they follow God. You know, they respect um, the voice of God. You know, they have the wisdom of God. Their life has also proven the wisdom. Because a lot of people cancel people when their own lives haven't proven anything. Are you in church or you have gone home? Say amen if you're here. Am I right? You know, there are a lot of people who want to offer counsel. And you ask yourself, if you are that wise, you would have made progress from where you are. And you need, you need to be honest about that. You know, because this is a world where everybody is an expert on anything. All you have to do is just go on, online. And you see everybody advising everybody. People advising pastors how to run churches. People at marriage counselor. Everybody is selling a course right now. Everybody just wants to... <laughs> Everybody's an expert in the 21st century. And the fact that you have an information on Google and uh, you've downloaded some PDF doesn't mean it's correct. Praise God. It doesn't mean it fits into the plan of God for your life. Praise God. When Brother Hagin was, was alive and he was doing ministry, a lot of people then were doing tents, were you doing tents, crusade and revivals. And many people spoke to him that the Lord wanted him to get tents, counseled him that way. But that's not what God wanted him to do and he did not. And it's important for us to understand that certain things might be popular with people, certain people's life might go in a certain direction, but God has a specific plan for us. Amen. Can you say amen? amen. Acts 27. Praise God. Acts 27. Go to Acts 27. The next way God speaks to us is spiritual perception. Acts chapter 27 and verse 9. Spiritual perception. You perceive this in your spirit. I just want to build this because last Sunday we had such a move of the Holy Ghost. We couldn't really finish some of these things in details. In Acts 27 verse 9. Now much time had been spent and sailing was now dangerous because the fast was already over. Paul advised them. Verse 10. Observe this word saying, Men, I perceive that this voyage will end with disaster and much loss. Not only of the cargo and sheep, but also our lives. So Paul says, I perceive. How did Paul perceive this? In his spirit. <clears throat> Nevertheless, the centurion was more persuaded by the helmsman and the owner of the sheep than by the things spoken by Paul. And because the harbor was not suitable... To winter in the majority advice. Majority, look at majority advice. Look at that word again. Majority advice. You know, the fact that the majority gives an advice doesn't mean it is true. If majority people, if majority of people are saying foolish things, it's still foolish. Majority advice to set sail from there also. If by any means they could reach Phoenix, the harbor of Crete, opening towards the southwards and northwards and winter there. Verse 13, look at this. I taught a two-part series on spiritual perception. You can ask from the office if you can lay hold on it. When the south wind blew softly, supposing that they had obtained their desire, putting out to the sea, they stayed close by Crete. But not long after that, a tempestuous headwind arose called Eurycliton. And we know how this thing ended. Pearl said, I perceive in my spirit this thing is going to end in disaster. Our majority said, no, let's go, let's go, let's go. They took that advice, they sailed out. <clears throat> the wind began to blow softly. And they felt, well, it's right, let's go. And not long after that, tempestuous wind came. You know, in the church, we're always fond of saying there shall be no loss, there shall be no loss. We say it like, it's almost a nice word. It's a word that Paul said because people were disobedient to him. If they had listened to him, they wouldn't have said that. <clears throat> now go to the next verse. Uh, you know, all of those things happened. Let's go to verse 22. I want, to, I want us to run, rush through this. 
Verse 22. And now I urge you to take out, for there will be no loss of life among you, but only of the sheep. Verse 23. Observe this. For there stood by me this night an angel of God, to whom I belong and whom I serve, saying, Do not be afraid, Paul. You must be brought before Caesar. And indeed, God has granted you all those who sail with you. Ah, I like this. Do you realize Paul said something? He changed what he said. He said, listen, this night an angel of the Lord stood by me and said to me. But that's not what Paul said in the first time. The first time he says, I perceive in my spirit. So there are times God can lead you by that inward perception. And at other times, uh, it will be a, a dramatic voice. But one thing I like about this place, it says, God says, I've granted you all those who sail with you. You know how we get into vehicles today and we're afraid that an old court man might be in that vehicle and because he wants to drink blood, bad things will happen to us. The reverse was the case in this place. God told Paul, all the people traveling with you have given their lives to you. That's how a believer should think. <clears throat> a believer shouldn't be thinking of running away from a compound because there are old court people in that compound. Everybody in that vehicle, everybody in that place has been given to you. You see, we are the ones with the authority. We're not the ones that should be fearful. Ah, I don't know how to put this. You know, one day I was traveling. I always like sitting in the front seat if I, when I used to use a lot of um, buses, uh, local transport. I like sitting in the front for two reasons. I like reading, so I read most times when I'm traveling. I'm reading and I'm listening to messages. So I just like reading, you know. And then, you know, sometimes when you're at the back, all our wonderful sisters with their many heads, the stuff starts flying. They tell you, hold my wig there, hold my wig, and all the many. And then there's always stories going on in the bus. You're always, somebody always knows something about everything. So, you know. But I remember one time I was late to the park and I wanted to sit in the front. The front seat was still empty. So I said, uh, so somebody was in the front seat and the person wanted to go to the back go i don't know let me go to the back something so i was just started chatting with him that oh i would have loved to see ah, he said i come and sit in the front i was surprised at the willingness with which he gave this front seat i knew it was not the anointing or the favor of god there was something else to it so i asked him why don't you want to sit there? he said no ah when i see that happen is the front it starts with i'm like wow how can you live this way but there are some of you laughing some of you are like that you have studied the accident spots in the vehicle after many years of research and findings and inquiries, you have understood that when accident happened, why are you like this? But, but God told Paul, he says, all the life of these people I've given to you. How many of us would like this kind of walk with God? That you're sure. You are sure. And God wants to bring us to that level. Praise the name of the Lord. So that's spiritual perception. Wow. Then there's inward witness in our spirit. You're going to stay a bit longer, right? You're going to stay 10 minutes longer after your closing time so I can finish this. Okay? Inward witness in our spirit. Proverbs 20, 27. Proverbs 20, 27. Proverbs 20, 27. The spirit of the man is the lamb of the Lord, searching all the inner depths of his heart. So your spirit is like the candle of the Lord. So God bears witness with your spirit. This is the surest way that God speaks to our hearts. Praise the name of the Lord. Come on, I said praise the name of the Lord. Alright, so let's look at hindrances to hearing God's voice. What are some of the things that hinder us from hearing the voice of God? The first thing is sin and hardness of heart. Sin and hardness of heart. 
sin and hardness of heart. If you look at Hebrews chapter 3 verse 13, I'm going to read three translations. Hebrews 3.13, NIV says, But encourage one another daily, as long as it is called today, so that no, none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. So, sin is deceitful and it hardens our heart. The New Living Translation says, You must warn each other every day while it's still today so that none of you will be deceived by sin and hardened against God. So, when a man is deceived by sin, he is hardened against God. You know, sometimes uh, sin uh, deceives us to harden our heart against God. So, so, it makes it difficult for God to guide and to communicate with us. The English ESV version says, But exhort one another every day as long as it is called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. Now we've heard, uh, and, and, and we need to bring a very strong message regarding the grace of God. But I believe that in our generation, we're almost taking the grace of God for what it is not. And uh, we're almost having a version of grace where it is comfortable to do anything you want to do and the grace of God covers for you. Which is a big problem because I tell myself this, if that's what the grace of God is for, then there's a problem to it. Because the grace of God actually teaches us to deny ungodliness. The grace of God enables us to live above sin. Now when we fall into sin, we confess our sins, we, we, we stand in our righteousness of who we are in Christ Jesus, but it doesn't mean we should enjoy a life of compromise because the grace of God is available. The challenge is this, you will not be, you will not be able to put yourself in a place where God can use you to bring the gospel to life. To lives because if you do what everyone else is doing, then there's nothing for them for, for, for them to change from. Praise God. Come on, say amen if you're here. Say amen again if you're here. Alright, so Titus two twelve. Titus two twelve. The grace of God, NIV. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age. So, the grace of God teaches me to say no to ungodliness. The, NI, the NLT say, we are instructed to turn from godless living and sinful pleasures. We should live in this evil world with wisdom, righteousness, and devotion to God. Devotion to God. So, we're devoted to God. Now, it's important for us to understand this. Uh, ESV says, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this age. So, you realize something that God teaches us to deny ungodliness. The grace of God teaches us to do what? To deny ungodliness. Because if we don't, it hardens our heart against the voice of God. In 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 2, it says, they will also be fooled by the false claims of liars whose consciences have lost all feeling. I'm using the CEV version. The New King James says that, uh, that their conscience is snared. It's almost like snared with hot iron. There's no feeling anymore. And that's what happens when you, when you, Double into sin a little. Your conscience is pricked. After a while, your conscience is pricked. After a while, it's almost like there's no feeling anymore. And your conscience is almost like the first voice of the Spirit to you. And that's why I always encourage people in this age, 
where lying is almost like a normal part of life. It's something you should not cultivate. Keep your conscience tender. Keep your conscience tender. It will help you in life. You don't do, you see, you can do anything and deaden your conscience. Snare your conscience. Snare your conscience. And so you can commit all kinds of evil and all kinds of atrocities. It doesn't start one day. It starts gradually. That's why you must make sure that your conscience is never deadened. And that's why if you have friends that encourage you to deaden your conscience, you should run away from them. Because after a while, you start accepting a little compromise. And that's how firebrand people become lukewarm in the faith. Because they're like, oh, your own is too much, your own is too much, your own is too much, your own is too much. Until you realize that there's no much left in your spiritual work anymore. Praise God. Have you gone home? I said, praise God. That's better. Alright. You want to pray? Ah, I pray too much. Everything is not prayer. Some things are planning, strategy. <laughs> you want to give? Ah, no, everything is not giving. Ah, these pastors, they are becoming rich through your money. <laughs> you want to do something? Ah, no, 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 no. <laughs> Glory to God. You know, the energy sometimes that we put into the work of God and the things that God has called us to do is nothing compared to the energy we put into our own lives and all the stuff that I want to do. See, I want to do stuff for us and the energy, the commitment, the discipline. Some of you, the way you even aggressively save to buy certain things. Wow, you think you're buying the whole world. The discipline and the dedication. But when it comes to the things of God, there's always an issue. Oh, yeah, you know what? Oh, you know what? Oh, you know what? Well, let's go ahead. When your conscience is callous, it hinders your ability to hear from God. You become insensitive. When you constantly ignore your conscience to do what your flesh wants to do. Your conscience is the voice of your spirit. And God leads you through your spirit. Every time you disobey the spirit of God, it becomes harder and harder to hear his voice when he speaks to you. Psalm 66 verse 18. If I had cherished sin in my heart... The Lord would not have listened. So we don't, we don't cherish sin. We don't guard sin. We don't pet sin in our lives. Every time we do that, we, we're reducing our ability to hear clearly the voice of God. Isaiah 59.2 But your iniquities have separated you from me, from God, and your sins have hidden His face from you, so that He will not hear. So the essential thing is we must read our lives free from sin. Now you must understand something. The guidance of God we're talking about is His guidance that comes to you not just on major issues of your life, but daily. Daily. God just gives you an impression. You know, something happened um, two days ago. Not two days ago, I think yesterday. And, um, you know, it, it just shows what the, the, the Lord is teaching us here. Uh, we got, got a testimony. I was, I was led last month to do a, a, a teaching called Overcoming Discouragement in Ministry. Specifically, I had that impression in my heart to do that teaching. I did it only for ministers. So, I uh, did it last month, early this month, I think so. And uh, we just put it out there on social media, just put it out there. And wrote, asked, I've been writing a lot for pastors. And a pastor reached out to me um, yesterday, two days ago. From a place called Volta, Ho region, in Volta region in Ghana. A place called Ho, H-O. Um, in Volta region in Ghana. He's a Nigerian man, but the Lord sent him there as a missionary. Um, um, as a missionary. I, I asked him permission to use the testimony, so that's why I'm sharing it. Because it's going to be in the book that I'm writing. And he said, 
the, the message was a huge blessing to his life. And that he's, because of discouragement in ministry, he's attempted suicide. And he's been so discouraged. But the message was a blessing to his life. He's listened to it seven times. And he was listening to it again. And he felt led to write me. Now, you can see this, right? You can see that I could have taught something else. But then I felt impressed of the Lord to teach overcoming discouragement in ministry. I could have taught overcoming discouragement. Right? But then I thought overcoming discouragement in ministry. Right? I could have just not put it online. But I decided to write some things and put it online. And the Lord got it to him. And it's just been of a blessing to his life. So you realize, you realize this, right? You realize that my... That having that impression of teaching that specific topic is part of what God can use to help someone else. Are you here? Alright. Should this have you people jollof fries? Who said yes? <laughs> okay. But are you following me this afternoon, this morning? Right? So you understand that that, that is, um, that's how the Lord leads. And so when the testimony came, I felt led also to share it with, to, to wrap some of our partners. And I said, well, this is what the Lord is just using the social media stuff to do. And one of our partners reached out and said, how can we get more of the messages on social media? I said, well, it's just to do maybe a bit of more sponsored advert and everything. And he said, you know what, I'm going to commit such an amount every month. Let's just get more messages sponsored. You see how God works, right? Now, I could have decided not to share it. I could have... I didn't put it all over the mailing list. I just shared it with a few people. So you realize that the guidance of God will lead you to the best place and the place of prosperity in your life. And because of... Now you can see the whole of that equation, right? Because I obeyed the Lord to teach a specific topic. The Lord could take that and bless someone in another country, and because the Lord impressed on that person to write a feedback, and I shared the feedback with the right person, we've got more monthly partnership coming in, so we can put more messages online. And all of that happens because I felt an impression in my spirit to teach along these lines. And that's why, you see, as a ministry, we don't have monthly teams that are structured, and saying, this month, is the, we're going to do this this month. No. You know, most times, and, 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 and God is my witness, I don't, I don't get up here to teach anything. It's very rare for me to teach up a topic I just thought of in my mind. Like, uh, what are these people? These people are not giving. Mm, let's attack giving. No, I don't do that. I don't do that. I don't, res- I don't teach in response to your attitude. Praise God. Come on, praise God. What I'm going to teach next month, next month we're teaching on prosperity. What I'm going to teach next month, I mean... I remember at the middle of this month, I got the first two topics of what we're going to teach next month. And I told our secretary, write it down. This is what I'm going to teach next month. Just put it up. It came up. And then there were four Sundays in the month. One was left. And just three days ago, bam, it popped up in my spirit. Most times, I'm led in the direction of what to teach. And some of the phrases, like God wants to guide you, that was just the phrase I got. And I knew it has to be led by the Spirit of God. And I began to develop that. So, you, you, you want to keep your, 
you want to keep your spirit open because God can drop stuff in your heart. God can drop phrases in your heart. You know, it, it can be the, the difference between life and death. God can just say, pray for this person. Intercede for this person. If you listen to our message, praying out God's plan for your loved ones or praying out God's plan for your community, you want to be in a position where you can always yield to the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. Or the Lord can say, call someone. I remember... Many years ago, saved the preacher's life from committing suicide. Around 2 a.m., I woke up. I just woke up. I didn't know what woke me up. You know how you just wake up and realize you're woken up? I just woke up. And I felt in my spirit, send this pastor a text. Tell him, God has a good plan for your life. Don't do whatever you want to do. God's got a good plan for your life. I, I had woken up. But I was still feeling sleepy. You know how you're in between. I typed the text. I sent it. I went back to sleep. I could not remember. I could not remember the content of the text. I just sent him. And the preacher had gotten up 2 a.m. Was about to commit suicide. My text came in and saved him by the grace and the power of God. Until today he's still in ministry. He mentions it sometimes. Imagine I was in his living room. <laughs> or like send the text now I'll send it later and then you know what when the man dies what are people going to say God took him God needed an angel God give it God take it they don't realize somebody overslept it You know, sometimes, I, I, I say this, this is not Bible, this is not theology, this is just Maxwell. Sometimes I feel that when we stand before God in judgment, the things that will break our hearts are the things that laziness costed us. It's not for sin, He's just sin, we've believed in Him, we're saved. When God will show you, you could have prevented this from happening. You see that thing that happened right there? I spoke to you three times about it, you didn't pay attention. You were too much, you were listening to too much whatever you were listening to, you couldn't pay attention to me. See this thing that happened in your life, you could have prevented it, but you were too carnal. Just just laughing. Comedy. You know, I've even stopped watching comedy right now, because the Lord began to warn me about certain things. Especially Christian comedy. This is personal. You don't have to stop. You know, because I realized that in Christian comedy right now, we laugh about everything spiritual. We laugh about speaking in tongues. We laugh about pastors. We laugh about being led by the Holy Ghost. And, and the Lord began to put in my heart, that's doing something to your spirit. It's doing something to your soul. It looks like it's nothing. <laughs> I just laughing. <laughs> ah, it's funny. Yeah. <laughs> but it's doing something. It's doing something to your Inner man, spiritual things that should not be taken lightly, and now things of joke. Here, imagine me if I come down here and then puts me and my wife was sitting in front and first of all laugh with us. Ah, daddy, excuse me, let me just do this last one. And then last, we speak in tongues, laugh with everything, and then we come up, start speaking in tongues. You know, sometimes those comedy will play in your mind. I, like I said, this is just personal for me, so I've made a point of contact, don't, I don't do that. And you know, <laughs> let me go this way, right? I've asked you for extra 10 minutes. So, You know, the Lord began to put in my heart that, you know what? It's because we haven't also tapped into the river of joy that is in the Holy Ghost. You know, joy as believers, we haven't tapped into that thing. The joy 
that passes understanding, the joy that the world cannot give, the joy that makes up the kingdom of God, we haven't tapped into the fullness of that joy yet. The joy that Christ enjoyed the sufferings of the cross with. The joy that was set before him. We haven't tapped into the fullness of that yet. So we'll need everything to make us happy. Praise God. We haven't tapped into the fullness of that yet. So we'll need everything to make us happy. I'm not saying anything, but I'm just saying, listen, you need to be careful what deadens your, the voice of your spirit. Because you want to be in the position where you are 100% able to hear the voice of God when God speaks to you. And when God is giving you an instruction. Praise God. Can you say loud amen? Alright. Number two, when you do not inquire of the Lord. When you do not inquire of the Lord. In, in 1 Samuel chapter 30 verse 8, when David wanted to uh, go after the Philistines, he inquired of the Lord. He said, should I pursue and recover? And the Lord says, yes, pursue, recover. The next time he asked the Lord, the Lord said, hold on. When you see the sound of the mulberry trees, then you know that I've gone up before you. See, we need to be sensitive to the Lord. We can't use the same formula for everything. Some people are not guided by the Lord because they don't ask questions. They only want to ask questions when they want to marry. That's only when they ask God. Anything else, I know it. I can sort it by myself. Jeremiah chapter 33 and verse 3. He says, call unto me and I'll show you great and mighty things which you do not know. So we can pray the prayer of inquiry. Should I do this, Lord? Should I go this way, Lord? Praise God. I see that the Lord in people who sometimes travel out of the country, relocate out of the country. I see that a lot of believers don't pray about that. They just make up their mind. It's a good place. And bam, they just take off. <laughs> and some of them that pray, they're already idols in your heart about that. I don't have any problem with anybody going anywhere. Just saying, find out if that's what God wants you to do. It's easy to follow the bandwagon, to do everything. Even with ministry, even as a pastor. Praise God. That's why sometimes you see that pastors just copy each other. They copy this, they copy this. Immediately you try to do something differently, then pastors come against you and say, why are you doing that? I remember how many times people come and ask us, why do you close church in December? Uh, which church do they close? Why do you close church? When COVID-19 came, they closed. Everybody saying, why will you close church? COVID shows up, close them up for two months. <laughs> I know people who don't like us because we, we go on break. How will the church go on break? <laughs> I preach... Three times every week. Right? For many years. Many years. You know, if I'm not preaching here, it doesn't mean I'm not preaching. If I'm not preaching here, I'm preaching somewhere else. Every Sunday, the last five years of my life, I've preached. And if I go and preach in other places, I preach three times, four times. I'm doing program, I'm preaching, I'm preaching, I'm preaching. And for some of you, I'm preaching to you 50 something something messages in a year. And I'll give you two weeks to go and revise your notes. Because some of you forget what I teach. How do I know? The way you live. You live contrary to what I've taught. So I know you don't remember what I teach. These people come and ask me questions about what I've taught. So this thing is confusing me. It's really confusing me. So it's very confusing. 
<laughs> what's confusing you? This thing. Like, have you listened to this message? Yes, I was in the service. Yeah, but I solved your confusion there. Go back, listen to it. And that's why when we get these messages free to you, it's because we don't want you to have an excuse. Praise God. You should go ahead and listen to it again. Listen, even this series I finished on guidance, go back and listen to it again. And the Lord began, I remember uh, Harry sent me a message one night. He said, I'm listening to Treasures and Wisdom. This message is loaded. Ah, he's very loaded, sir. He was speaking as if he was listening to it for the first time. He was in the service, as loaded as he was. You know, a preacher said he was listening to a message one time and said, Wow, I wish I was there when this message was preached. This message is wow. Not my message, somebody else's message. He says the camera spanned the front of the crowd. There he was, sitting in the front seat. And he said he wished he was there. Glory to God. Come on, how many of you have listened to some old messages I've taught and you felt like, wow. Yeah. And sometimes you felt like you were not in the service. You were right there in front. You were the one doing, right on, bridge on. Yes, sir. <laughs> Glory to God. So we listen again. We inquire of the Lord. We ask the Lord. Whatever we want to do. Simple question. Do you know what I love about Nehemiah? When they ask Nehemiah, what should we do for you to go and build? He says, I made a quick prayer to God. Say that, Lord, guide me. But I don't know what to do. I learned that a lot from my wife. You know, and uh, I used to do it, but I stopped at the point because you think it's very, sometimes it's too childish. But she does that anytime. When she's looking for something, she just, oh, Holy Spirit, where is this thing? <laughs> you know? And, you know, the Lord will just guide her. I remember one time we, we, we she mistakenly lost um, a khaki. We have only, um, we didn't have a spare. And we thought, where, I mean, she has gone to throw death. We thought we had thrown, thrown it away. I mean, that morning we came to church without the car. And, and she was, Lord, Holy Spirit, where's this key? Lord, Holy Spirit, where's this key? And she just felt impressed to check. She wore something and wore this small waistcoat over it. It would never cross her mind that the key is there. And right there was the key. The Holy Ghost knows where the things are. You know, some of you hide money until you can't find it. You now have to pay people to, you now have to pay people to help you find the money. You are that, you will hide things and just get missing. You know, but the Holy Spirit can help you. Quick prayer, Lord, guide me. I don't know what to do. And just, just wait. The Holy Ghost will lead you. The Holy Ghost will guide you. Praise the name of the Lord. The Holy Ghost will begin to give you in directions and impressions. Number three, strained relationship and lack of personal time with the Father. Psalm 32 verse 8. We're looking at things that can hinder us from hearing God's voice. God is always speaking. God wants us to hear His voice. My sheep will hear my voice. Psalm 32 verse 8. I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you with my loving eye on you. I like the New Living Translation. The Lord says, I'll guide you along the best pathway for your life. Can you say amen? I'll advise you and watch over you. The ears will say, I'll instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I'll counsel you with my eye upon you. You see, counseling with the eye upon you, it speaks of a loving relationship. It's like when a father and a mother and children, they go somewhere, the mothers, mothers especially, there's a look your mother will give to you. That look has all the instructions in the world. Right. The kind of look and say, if you take that food, you are dead. You just realize, mm-mm, even though you are hungry. Alright? There's this loving look a mother will give to you. There's a reassuring look. And that's what God wants. As we fellowship, and that's how you should make time to fellowship with the Lord. Just pray in the Holy Ghost. Play worship. Create an, you see, this life is, is, 
This life is so dicey. You don't want to make mistakes. Limit the mistakes you make in life. Praise God. I said, praise God. You, you want to keep yourself in an atmosphere where the impression... You know, when, if, if I share certain things with you, it might look very childish. But we've grown to that point where little things, we just feel a prompting in our spirit and we adjust it and we set it right and we do things right. Praise God. And if you learn to live this way, even where you're not treating your wife right, the Holy Ghost can begin to give you impressions. Do this, do this, do this, do this. Or your husband or your children or where things are concerned. God doesn't just want to guide us in the major decisions of our life. God is interested in every detail of our life. Hallelujah. So you've got to stay devoted. Number four, idols in your heart. Idols in your heart. Ezekiel 14 verse 4. The CEV version. Contemporary English version. Tell the people of Israel that if they sin by worshipping idols and they go to a prophet to find out what I say, I'll give them the answer their sin deserves. The New Living Translation says, tell them, this is what the Sovereign Lord says. The people of Israel have set up idols in their hearts and fallen into sin. And then they go to a prophet asking for a message. So I, the Lord, will give them the kind of answer their great idolatry deserves. When you set up idols in your heart... For instance, you have set up an idol that other places are better than here. There is no how you go and pray in the spirit and God will not be telling you to pack your bags and leave. You set up that idol. That's why right now if you are not married, keep praying that the Lord, the will of God, and just pray concerning the will of God. Because when you are falling in love, it's difficult to hear God's voice. When you dream, you will see the person. When you wake up, you will see the person. When rain is falling, the shape of the person will appear in the way. Everywhere you turn. Person will be close to you like the paracletos, like another comforter. <laughs> Alright. So you have to clear when you're praying, see when you're praying concerning something that's the will of God, you're not sure, be ready to take no for an answer or yes. Don't don't try to untwist God to say yes. If not, the voice of your spirit will pick up yes, and that's not what God is saying. How do I know this? Uh, Numbers twenty two, Balaam. God's, uh, the, the Balaam was hired to come and curse the children of Israel. And God inquired of the Lord. And God says, no. He was one of the most... You see, Balaam was one of the most... <laughs> he was one of the most authentic prophets that ever lived. Go and read about him. God spoke to him. Clearly, man could communicate with God. But Second Peter tells us, Second Peter 2.15 tells us the idolatry in his heart. He said, Balaam loved the wages of unrighteousness. And, and because of that, he got the answer to go. After putting much pressure on God. Idols. When you set up certain idols in your heart, you will not be able to hear God clearly. Idols of places. Idols. That's why sometimes, you know, if a preacher puts money first, he will begin to hear strange voices. That's why you will hear, as I was preparing this morning, you know, something just told me, where they say the Holy Spirit, but I don't want to say the Holy Spirit, I'll replace it with something. How many of you all told me, there are 14 people here to give 14,000. 14,000, call the number 14. The number 14 means you will live 14,000 years. And you know, God also has a way of catching gullible Christians who will not stay under the word. The last 14,000 you have saved. Because you too, there is Tifri, part of your heart. You don't really want to worship God. You came so that God will give you money, so that you go and threaten your neighbor. 
It now look like, ah, this business will work if I sow 14 quickly under this hot anointing. I know how those guys do it. Say, now, now, bring it to the apostles' feet. Don't even count it. Just open your wallet. Bring it, bring it, bring it, bring it. <laughs> you just run and drop your money. Because both of you deserve each other. You wait after 14 days, nothing. <laughs> Can't go and collect your money back. But you know, I don't usually have those kind of leading because taught differently. I remember I went to preach in a campus fellowship. I was preaching two services. I finished one service in a campus fellowship. They gave me like 15000 for an honorarium, put it in my back pocket. I came, I was preaching in this particular fellowship. As I was about to go forward, the campus president wrote me a letter. I said, sir, you raise money for us, please. I'm like, no, no, no. He said, ah, sir, please, now, sir, sir. Give me. So I finished preaching. You know, just as God guides you with the comfort of your eyes. I saw that when I was about dropping the mic, the man was using his eye to harass me the money now. How far? <laughs> so, I didn't know what to do. So I just put out the money in my pocket. I said, you know what, your, your pastor needs money to sort some stuff. I'm giving this. He'll come and tell you what he needs money for and everything. So I gave him the mic and, and everything. But you see, you've got to be careful what's in your heart. Because if you don't read yourself of idolatry, the Lord would not be able to speak clearly to you. You know, I use preachers as an example a lot because that's most of what I've been all my life. So you can put this in business. You know, for instance, every preacher attributes success in ministry to preaching in stadiums. Right? Preaching in stadiums and everything. You know what most preachers hear when God calls them? I've called you to preach in the stadiums of the world. It's rare for you, for you. And that's why you see that most preachers, when they say the Lord has called them to establish branches of churches, they will not tell you God sent them to Mali. Come on. They will not tell you God sent them to Burkina Faso, Equatorial Guinea, or Cameroon. Where does God send us? Come on. Where does God send us? U.S. Where again? London. Where again? Abuja, Canada. That's where the Lord sent us. It's time to go foreign with the message. God doesn't send us to Rwanda. Do you think God doesn't love those people? But you know, we have certain things in our heart. Because now dollars is four fifty. If you have a US branch and they do one thousand dollars times four fifty, can build upstairs back home and tell them Ebenezer. See how God has helped us. So you must read yourself of those things. You must read yourself of those things. Even in your own life, check all the idols you have. But I can allow God to speak to you clearly about your purpose. And that's why I think even though I'm going to teach on prosperity next month, the Lord wants us to prosper, the Lord wants us to increase us. One of the things that have actually stopped believers from going into absolute obedience to the command and the will of God is the exaltation of money in the church. Because that's how we almost tame success. Let me, ask, let me give you an example. Do you realize if you're here right now and God is speaking to you and say, you know what? I love this community. And I want to work with the girls in this community, the teenagers in this community. Or work with the boys in this community. I want you to just minister to them. Do you realize that it is something... You know, you know how you're going to interpret that dream? You're going to interpret it. You don't know what? I'll get a good job and I'll now use part of my income to help the boys. You will not consider that it is something you can do full time and that's what God wants you to do full time. Because the first thing people will ask you is how will you survive? You, do you realize that? Come on, am I talking here? Yeah. 
even in your own mind, you're not like, ah, who is going to marry me? And all the sisters in church, they say, what are you doing? Say, we are reaching out to, to young boys. Say, this is your reaching out to young boys. Clarify it, clarify it. <laughs> Will you put food on the table? <laughs> Poverty is a bad thing. Eh? A lot of people will reject you. Praise God. And that's why you also as a lady, you need to be led by the Lord. And don't just marry television and car. Are you following what I'm saying? I said most of the times when I got married, we didn't have anything in the house. When I mean anything, there was nothing. My house was plain. We had only one television and the television somebody gave it to us. The unbutton is only me and my wife that knows how to own the TV. So even if a thief came to the house and saw the TV... His appetite to steal the TV will be gone because he will say, I can steal this TV, I can't put it on. I mean, anywhere we were and rain was falling, our hearts we, we keep sinking. Because water used to come out from the ground of our kitchen. Not, you know, if rain is falling, it's like water comes from the top. No, this one, it's like the days of Noah. Water comes from the ground. Anywhere we are. But I mean, <laughs> that can be our problem today. But if she has chosen by my natural circumstances, I'm not sure I'll be chosen. Glory to God. Let me tell you this about money. Money can come as quickly as it disappears. You hear what I'm saying? You can have one encounter with God, one encounter with the word of God, and you're supernaturally prospered. And you can have one encounter also. And you're from grace. Just as you have grace to grasp, you also have grace to grace. The Bible says, do not set your trust in uncertain riches. It's uncertain. And so we must learn to be guided. And, and I'm, I'm big on this, right? Give me 10 minutes. I'm big on this. Because I don't want us to set up the idolatry of mammon in our heart. And sometimes even we preachers haven't done well because we've put that as the ultimate so we use church almost as a place where, you know, even when we invite people, we invite them, come, God will do it for you, come, God will break through for you. So it's almost a celebration of, we almost convert church to a celebration of mammon. I don't, I don't know if you get what I'm saying. And so, you feel uncomfortable. You feel uncomfortable. And so the Lord cannot give you certain speakings and certain instructions. And so you must take that idol from your heart so you can hear God clearly. Whatever idol it is. Idol of self-preservation. Some things that God wants to speak to you. God wants to rid you of self. God wants to rid you of yourself and your ambition and your, and your, and whatever you've set up. Wants to humble yourself so he can lead you in the best path for your life. Mother Theresa, I'll say this quickly. Mother Theresa, when she died, she had like maybe five shirts and all the awards she got. How did Mother Theresa, she was a nun in the Catholic Church, passing through the streets of Calcutta, India, and saw all those lepers, and she just felt in her heart, these people are abandoned, but I want these people to die with a smile on their face. She wasn't even talking about the healing power of God. I just want to take care of them. And today, thousands of missionaries under that vision, under that passion, just to help lepers. He didn't make her the richest woman in the world. In fact, all the awards she got, she converted the, the money and put them into reaching out to lepers. He didn't make her the richest person in the world. But that was the path that God has chosen for her. 
And if God is choosing that path for you, would you be willing to go through that path? And you know that path also made her not to marry. I'm not saying you should not marry because some of you, marriage is, is also a big idolatry. Oh Lord, Mr. Wright. Oh God, Mr. Wright. Father, Mr. Wright will not pass me by. Lord, Mr. Wright will not. Relax. Before you develop high blood pressure, when Mr. Wright comes and he says, go for tests, you now discover that you are sick. Relax. God's got good plans for you. Hallelujah. Don't set anything up as idolatry in your heart. Learn to follow God. You see, one thing I trust God for, I just tell myself all the time, God has good plans for me, He'll get me in those plans. Whatever I need, the Lord will bring it to me. Praise the name of the Lord. Come on, praise the name of the Lord. Number five, pride. Pride is the attitude that declares that I know what is best for me, that I choose to whom I listen. It means being stiff, being unteachable, unchangeable. I won't repent. I won't take responsibility. James 4, 6. God resists the proud, but give grace to the humble. Psalm 25, verse 9. The humble, he guides in justice. And the humble, he teaches his way. If you're full of pride, you'll not be able to hear God. Sometimes God will be speaking to you through the messages that's coming forth. Speaking to you through people. The voice of God will be coming, but you're too full of your ways. You know, some people hate church. Because of what some other people have done. And they have that resistance towards church. So anytime you mention church, you just flare up. <laughs> and same thing with pastors. Some people have met very bad pastors in their life. And every time you just say, hey, not them. Hey, not them. You know, it's like a girl whose heart has been broken many times. The challenge is that that girl might find it difficult to believe in love. Because they've shown her all the China versions of love. So once a man comes there and says, uh-huh, 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 what do you want? What do you want? <laughs> He's like, come down. Say, no, no, that's what John told me. And before you know, you'll be a bitter person. You know, the, 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 the offense of people can change your own makeup. You now turn from a loving person to a bitter person. And in your mind you say, experience has taught me. You know, I have learned by experience. I'm not a small child. You are not a small child, but you are a bitter old woman. Once any man comes around you, 10 meters, you start to spark you. Talk what you want. And sometimes people don't even want anything. So anytime you hear church, hey, tips, tips. <laughs> yeah, pastors. No, you have to let that go. It can affect the speakings of God in your heart. Ephesians 4, 26 to 27 and 30 to 31. Anger, jealousy, bitterness, resentment, malice. These things will grieve the Holy Spirit. Learn to let go. We're on the, we're on the next point now. Six. Anger, jealousy, bitterness, resentment, offense, hatred, malice, things in your spirit. They will not, you know, what will begin to happen is those things will begin to speak to you. And you will feel that that's God giving you directions. Meanwhile, it's not God. Praise the name of the Lord. Come on, are you still here? Say amen if you're here. Alright, let's do this quickly. Ignorance of God's word. Psalm 119 verse 105. Your word is a lamp to my feet. And a light to my part. If you're ignorant of the word of God, you will not be able to judge if God is speaking to you. God will not speak outside of his word. He uses his word as the framework to speak to you. The last one here is distractions. 
distractions. When a man is too busy. We live in a day and a time when life is busy. Your to-do list is full. Society has taught us that busy is the new normal. There's video game, there's TV, there's movies, distraction here and there, talking, chatting, everything. In Luke 10, 38, Mary and Mother, Mary chose the good part. What was the good part? Sitting at the feet of Jesus to hear the words of Jesus. And Mother was distracted. She couldn't listen to God. You can read Proverbs 4, 20 there and Psalm 78, verse 1. We need to give our time to the Lord. That's why morning devotions are important. Spend your few hours in the morning before the Lord. Wake up early and just spend time praying. And just pray in the Holy Ghost. Read your word. Read your devotion. Do your scriptures. Pray in tongues. Ask God for guidance. Amen. Write these four points down and we'll close. Number one, final basic steps. Number one, God's voice will never contradict what the Bible says. Second Timothy chapter 3 verse 16. God's voice will never contradict what the Bible says. Second Timothy chapter 3 verse 16. When it concerns the church, when God speaks, God's word or God's voice will build the church and promote unity. First Corinthians 14 3. God is not going to be speaking things that will bring division to the church. In the book of Romans, I don't forget that scripture. It says, mark them that cause division. Among you. God is about building. God is not about destroying. God is about, and that's why, you know, I can tolerate all kinds of stuff. I mean, I know the church is not a place for perfect people. People come here and be trained to be perfect. But one of the things I don't tolerate is strife. It's either you're building or you're not building. And that's why I, I say it all the time. I always give people the permission to leave. If you, if you know that the Lord has not called you to be here, and if you know that we can't pastor you for any reason, you have a blessing to leave. You don't have to be here. There'll be no outer of offense. I mean, don't just go and say things that are not true, but you have a liberty. It's not a cult. Praise God. You're not, you're, you don't have a pastor over you that when you leave is going to ring curses over your life. No, we're going to bless you. Because you want people that the Lord wants to be with you. It's either we're building together. Praise the name of the Lord. And so the, the, the Lord, if the Lord is speaking to you regarding a church life, the Lord is speaking building and unity. That's what the Lord speaks concerning the church. Whenever we're hearing from God, it will be in accordance with His nature. And what is the nature of God? Galatians 5.22-23 It will be the fruit of the Spirit. Galatians 5.22-23 It will be the fruits of the Spirit. Love, peace, gentleness, kindness, long-suffering, faithfulness. Whenever you're hearing something from God, measure it with this thing. Is this thing, is, it, is this the fruit of what I'm hearing? Then lastly, what you hear from God will withstand the accountability of oversight. First Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 19 to 22. If I hear something from God, I should be able to present it for judgment. When the Lord puts something in my heart, I share it with those above me. This is what I sense the Lord is saying. What do you think? And they, they can judge it. God does not put something in your heart and is eating. God does not say, don't tell anybody. No, it's, it's, it's open for judgment. You can, you can judge it. You can submit it and say, this is what I think the Lord is telling me. And, and you realize that it can be judged. It can be looked into. Praise the name of the Lord. Come on, have you been blessed this morning? I can't hear you. Have you been blessed this morning? Let's be on our feet and just thank the Lord. Father, we thank you.
Oh, we give you praise and glory. We thank you, Father. We just thank you for this series on the guidance of the Lord. And we pray, Jesus Christ, that by your spirit and by your anointing, that the greater one that's on our inside will speak, will lead, will guide, will direct in the name of Jesus. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to Word Connect with Pastor Maxwell Ogaga. We encourage you to share this message with your friends and loved ones. For more information and free downloads, please visit www.pastormax.ng. We would like to hear from you. Send us an email, info at pastormax.ng. Or you can call 0805-888-7575. God bless you.